0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hello, and welcome to the AronX podcast, which looks at the transformation of the shipping and marine space. I'm Craig Eason, editor and owner of the Fathom World website. If you are a subscriber of Aranax or the Fathom World Newsletter, then you will be, of course, very familiar with the ongoing push to decarbonise shipping. It's not going to be an easy task. It has technical, infrastructure and, of course, political challenges. The International Maritime Organisation is the United Nations agency that's got this task. And it is the representatives of the countries that attend these meetings that eventually make the decisions. This is, of course, how the UN and its bodies work, especially the IMO. It's a form of regulation by consensus, but it is a consensus with a huge set of question marks around it. The IMO member states' representatives agreed to an initial strategy to decarbonise shipping in 2018. This was to reduce the carbon intensity of international shipping, and to have greenhouse gas emissions from shipping reduced by 50% of the 2008 emission figure by 2050. This strategy needs a plan. It needs tools to do so, and it needs regulations to make sure that every country and every ship in international trade has the same rules to adhere to. That's all well and good, but the IMO member states have never fully agreed on any greenhouse gas strategies, neither before the initial strategy or indeed after. The discussions were set to take place during IMO's MEPC meetings, as well as during special greenhouse gas meetings for member states in between those committee meetings. COVID-19 has slowed things down, but a seventh intersessional meeting in October, came up with a compromise on what are known as the short-term measures. These are for existing ships. It includes the requirements to create an Attained Energy Efficiency Existing Ship Index for those existing ships, which is set against a baseline which ships must be under. Then there is the little understood carbon intensity indicator, CII, and the CII rating, which is for ships over 5,000 gross tonnes, as this includes the ships currently reporting into the IMO data collection system. It's this CII that will eventually lead to ships being graded A to E, like a fridge or a freezer could be. Now, immediately after these agreements, the state representatives of the IMO members were vocal in their opinion of the outcomes, as were some of the industry and environmental lobby groups. Some were saying that the targets and dates in the proposals are far too slack and will not help shipping achieve its 2030 goals. A delayed environmental committee meeting took place for IMM Member States and others in November this year, albeit digitally and somewhat truncated because of the nature of digital meetings. These short-term measures have now been agreed despite all those caveats from some representatives about it being a compromise, but there being little choice but to push on and get things better. But this is what I think we also need to focus on, what next? IMO member states are already pushing to begin talks on how the EEXI and the CII grades should be applied and how the medium-term and importantly long-term measures, which includes the push to carbon-neutral fuels, should be accelerated. Then there is, of course, the need to talk about market-based measures, fuel levies or trading schemes, and of course, finance for this transition. And this is important, as I think a discussion we need to have more of. How can the ocean and shipping industries finance sustainable change? The UN, FCCC and other organisations, the decarbonisation of any industry requires investment. The IMO, in particular the Secretariat, has proposed for a trust fund to help with this. Now of course, ship owner groups have proposed a research fund and an independent board to help with the transition. You can hear more about the ship owner's proposal in an earlier Aeronax episode when I talked to the International Chamber of Shipping. But one of the goals of the IMO, and in particular the Secretariat, is to help with the technical cooperation and mainly being in developed nations. And this is what I want to take another look at, because while there has been a lot of media attention about what the IMO member states agree to through their designated representatives in the committee meetings, there is the work by the Secretariat that is largely, I think, going unnoticed other than by those in the developing nations. The IMO, through the funding of the EU, established the Maritime Technical Cooperation Centres in five countries, and these have been linked to help getting nations up to speed with environmental rules and strategies, but also in local research and development. It is this and other projects that are ongoing that, in my mind, do a lot of the work while the member state organisations discuss the regulations. All of this Secretariat work has now been collated into the Secretariat's Partnerships and Projects department, which is headed up by Jose Mateigal. I first spoke to Jose at the beginning of the year as the department was being established. But there have now been a number of announcements in the recent weeks by Josie's team that seem to indicate that while the regulators are debating, there's still a lot of action going on in the background, particularly around the issue of finance.
2: Craig, as you know, when the department was formed, uh, one of the functions that I explained to you was doing more on promoting uh, innovation in the maritime sector and IMO doing some role in creating some kind of enabling environment, uh, you know, in in the sector to to, to promote innovation. Um, So, we, we had to take baby steps here uh, because IMO, you know, traditionally, you know, our, our, you know, we, we were in the regulations and taking a cooperation. But innovation is something that many UN agencies have been, um, you know, doing uh, or started doing, and and IMO also has to probably get engaged in this. So uh, we are starting with a maritime innovation forum on low carbon shipping, um, and we 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 mobilized some funding from Norway to do that, and hopefully, if everything is back to normal. We are hoping to do that by middle of next year. So we have been doing a lot of work on getting the funds mobilized, which is coming through the UNEP. So this is going to be the IMO UNEP uh, Norway Maritime Innovation Forum. So, so oh, is, that, is, is that the Green Voyage project? No, this is uh, in addition to the Green Voyage project. Okay. So the so the Innovation Forum is basically to bring um, the latest R&D and innovation uh, happening on, lo- on low carbon or decarbonization. Hmm and giving the platform for people to present and to get a dialogue going there. Uh, so these are the cutting edge developments that we want to bring everybody together. Um, it is in a way augmenting the IMO's flagship project, which is the green voyage project, mm. uh, which had started uh, before the lockdown. Um, and, but we have been quite busy in getting the project off the ground. Um, we have identified all the countries uh, participating. We have the letters of commitment from the countries. The countries have nominated focal points and coordinators. Um, we also have migrated our global industry alliance of the Me project, the predecessor to mm-hmm. the Green Voyage, into the Green Voyage project. And we had the first task force meeting of the of, the, of this GIA as well.
1: It's a lot of this to do with creating the frameworks in the developing countries and other countries so that innovation can be nurtured and grow, so that there is the framework within the countries. It's not money going into specific innovations, but it's money going into creating um, a bed where innovation can prosper.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So um, imo such is not a innovation funding or R&D funding body. So we don't do that. What we could do is actually, um, sup, you know, create the enabling environment uh, in the countries and be through the policies or um, facilitating such dialogue, etc., at the national level. So I want to separate the Green Voyage project with the innovation side of it, although they are complementary. The Green Voyage project is there with the um, Uh, a a sets of countries would engage with the legal policy institutional reforms in in, in energy efficiency or climate change area, annex six to be specific. Um, And these are the countries who are new to such processes. So we have that set of countries, but other set of countries where majority of the focus of we envoy is going to be demonstrating solutions, innovative solutions in those countries. There are five countries who we call the pioneer partner countries, These were the countries who had been involved in the GloMe project and they did all the groundwork, all the legal and policy work, etc. And now they are ready to look into solutions, uh, technology solutions or other solutions that will actually help implementation of these Annex 6 requirements. The idea is to see which kind of demonstration project that country would like to do. Um, be you know I'm just taking an example. If a particular country wants to do a port um, based, you know, shore based, you know, energy supply to the ships, you know, hmm. the you know the so called um, you know um, um, coal dining, you know, kind of. I'm just taking an example here. Um, and if the country wishes to have that infrastructure there, and then this project is going to help in. Um, doing all the preparatory work, the bankable proposals for that, and find other investors who would like to come together, and then collectively then do the demonstration project. So these are still demonstration because, and then it needs scaling up and replication elsewhere. But the project is aiming to do those demonstration in these five countries, and 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 here then you can see the connection. One is the the innovation side of it is also coming in there, um, although we might not straight away go into solutions, technologies that are completely unproven because you need to have, you know, some mature technologies to be demonstrating. So, you know, so, so, uh, but these, the decision will be left to the countries as to what they would like to, you know, what kind of solution they would like to demonstrate mature solution. Now, this is where the the FinSmart initiative that we I just talked about is also going to play a role because FinSmart is all about bringing the financial community, investment community to the, to the table. And you mentioned um,
1: to me before why you think that is a key element of where you're trying to take yes. all of this, but why can't the countries themselves be engaged yeah. financially and do it that way, given the fact that a lot of countries see a very... Compet very a very strong competitive advantage with their maritime transport systems that they've got there are certain IMO countries that are very mm-hmm. forward-thinking when it comes to um, the decarbonization agenda and yeah. the, you know there are countries like 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 Denmark and Norway that have been mm-hmm. very progressive yeah. and they've got a lot of work going on looking at yeah. decarbonization already mm-hmm. and it comes from there mm-hmm. the financing comes from a lot of political corners within those countries but it also comes within the commercial enterprises and that and that gives it the ground roots kind of project level I'm thinking in Norway for example with the body called Enova which has been Mm -hmm. putting funding to a lot of coastal projects to demonstrate the evolution of hydrogen or ammonia or fuel cells around the Norwegian mm-hmm. coastline. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're talking here about, and uh, the press release that came from the IMO recently demonstrated that the IMO was talking to the European bank, uh, sorry, the EBRD, and mm-hmm. is talking to the World Bank, um, mm-hmm. and those kind of like supranational investment yeah. uh, mm-hmm. bodies. So what? why do you need this supranational discussion when I see a lot of yeah, local efforts already progressing and going quite far
2: um very true that these things are happening in countries such as denmark and norway uh where um they manage. sorry to have... and
1: i'll just to add to that as well yeah. i completely forgot to mention and i should have done is the the amount of money that the european union through the europe yes. through its very horizon 2020 and horizon yeah. europe projects has been yeah. putting yeah. into a lot That's of true. efforts as well let's not forget those yeah.
2: That's true, and and the Green Deal, and a lot of okay. lot of initiatives going on. Uh, if you look into um, the countries uh, in Europe and, uh, and and elsewhere, however, the the scenario is quite different when you look into uh, many of the developing countries, and especially the SIDS and the LDCs, etc. Now, the the difference there is uh, there a couple co- couple of things. One is. Um, Obviously, there's a competition for financial investment, um, you know, in the particular country. Um, now, one of the main challenges that the developing countries are facing right now is the local banks um, and the local uh, financial institutions are uh, a bit shy um, from entering into, um, you know, financing um, uh, investments in the in the port, or uh, not in the port. I um, especially the shipping side of it. Port maybe a little bit more different, um, because shipping is so cyclical, uh, and the risk exposures are also cyclical. And and the local banks, many times, many of the developing countries are they are seeing uh, huge challenges in uh, in bringing that uh, investment um, in technology or infrastructure solutions in the shipping area. There may not be, you know, like very innovative models, developed such as in Norway, where they have you know, they, they, and, and maybe other countries as well, um, you know, uh, they do have models where they can actually create funds for investment, um, and, and private sector is also involved in that. You will not see many of those kind of models in, in other countries that we are talking about. So why we are bringing, uh, uh, so the other aspect is actually the, the risk exposure for, um, in terms of, demonstration of um, solutions. Uh, any of the solutions would have a bit of a risk element associated with that. Um, and and uh, in, a, in a typical commercial scenario, uh, you would find it difficult to find investors who are completely able to underwrite the risk. So, uh, and this is where, um, okay, so you have the, the lack of, um, you know, access to funding, And the other thing is you have um, a risk to to manage as well in terms of demonstrating innovative solutions, even if it is almost very mature. Um, And this is where um, we are interested in bringing the the multilateral development banks around the table. And the FinSmart I talked about is basically focusing on the developing countries and how the multilateral development banks can look into the needs of the developing countries and see what kind of financial solutions they can bring that could even address some of the underwriting some of the risk? It could be, you know, they may have to join hands between themselves or with the uh, donors or with the uh, bodies such as GCF or GEF, where they could then look into blended financing and they can then look into concessional loans and they can look into underwriting some of the risk by using some of the, you know, the grants, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So well, well, what sort of things do you see them potentially
1: um financing or issuing loans or grants to within the developing countries the or the LDCs or the SIDs because it's one thing to see as I mentioned the, the European Union um is funding specific projects. Mm-hmm. And there are and it, it's not countries per se, it's individual companies that have got an idea about a, a fuel cell or mm-hmm. a hydrogen engine or a new battery, a way for Vessels, coastal vessels, largely given the size, to actually, uh, to they can develop demonstration projects mm-hmm. and show that hey, look, this kind of ship does work, yeah. um, and it is actually the end goal is a ship in the water that will have um, reduced CO two emissions or, or reduced uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. When I, when, when you're talking about this high level. Um, from the um, the development banks, from EBRD and the World Bank, and working mm-hmm. with the developing countries. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not going to be funding um, a project in these countries that's going to build a specific vessel for a specific route, are they? They're going to be doing it on a much larger. So, what sort of things are they going to be supporting?
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, okay I, I can give an example um, of uh, a project that uh, all these elements can come together or would come together and the banks would be interested in um, for example um, if you if you consider ports um, and the investment in ports and um, investment uh infrastructure that provides green kind of services to the shipping by the ports then you can clearly see a business model there. Um, you, if, I, I'm taking an example of if a, if a, let's say if there is a port who can actually provide a shore-based electricity from a renewables, maybe you can have the same port providing um, you know, underwater cleaning for a you know for a for a ship for which is fault. You can have uh, the same port uh, providing an infrastructure for a waste reception um, you know uh, arrangement. Uh, you can have the same port providing the electronic uh you know a maritime single window kind of a concept where you know the the ship uh, port communication becomes much more easier so you can when you think about these kinds of services that a port can offer so first it it actually it, the the it is a service being provided by the shi- uh, to the ships and 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 the port can actually expect some some fees coming back to the port to the port so the the so the shipping benefit because they're getting the service, the port is benefiting because and because they' are getting a, a service fees back. Now the and this is something the investment community is looking for because this is actually a, a, a good commercial proposition and you, you know you you are actually and 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 they wouldn't mind investing in that area although, you may need to probably try out this business model and maybe even see if these things work in a particular port. So, you need to create some kind of an initial demonstration of this concept technology in you know demonstration and also the business model demonstration as well so but once it's successful then you can see it can be replicated now so i i, I talked about three beneficiaries the, the the industry the shipping industry benefit the port benefit from a return and also they are you know increasing their business as well the investment community benefit because there is a return coming from the investment and ultimately the main beneficiary the environment because you know you benefit uh, from all these areas uh, in, so so such win 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 situations can be created and there are potentials there and that's why that's where these banks can come in um and why the multilaterals are there and why should they be there because uh, compared to other commercial banks um these multilateral development bank have an economic development uh, you know vision for their for the existence um, and that could justify why they could actually bring you know even better interest rate loans, or even bring some initial investment, or you know even even mobilize uh, you know grant funding uh, that could support some of the demonstration. Um, so, to me, the 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 benefit of this is actually there are such many such opportunities uh, available for such win-win-win situations. Uh, nobody has really put these things together so far. The, the multilateral development banks, one of the problems, not the problem, they none, most of the banks didn't have a maritime or shipping portfolio per se. Most of this intervention of the multilateral development banks were coming from ad hoc requests coming from a country. Okay, oh, I need this port, or oh, I need something like that. There was I think very, very few banks. I think EBRD has won a shipping portfolio, you know, merit, you know, basically, but not many other banks have. So now they are seeing, of course, they all know there's a huge investment needs for decarbonizing and also sustainability aspects of it. You know, these are now running into trillions of dollars. If you just talk about decarbonization, it's a huge investment. Um, Now, but what is lacking is the communication, the dialogue, because... We, we, we didn't have a platform where the countries can say, this is exactly what we want, these are our needs are, um, and these are our current barriers are to bringing investment. And that dialogue with the banks probably was not happening. And 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 also the banks couldn't have an opportunity to think about, okay, what kind of innovative financial solutions or products that can, we can come up with to, to, to meet those needs? Um, and... And this is what was lacking, and there was a gap in the maritime sector, not having the dialogue between the countries and the MDBs, and also there was no industry involved in this to get the real needs identified. Um, so I think I deviated from your question first, why the multilaterals. But I think the multilaterals actually have, a, you know, they they do have a developmental um, objective with them, so they could offer, uh, you know, better. Um, loans and they could even come up with the you know work with the ba- donors to come up with them even even grants to get things moving.
1: And, and I guess part of this then is where the training comes in and yeah. this is the other agreement um that you signed, the IMO signed um, recently with the Republic of South Korea about mm-hmm. developing a, a training program, a decarbonization training program where well it was it was money that um, south korea had already allocated had promised to the imo but i think this is an allocation a more specific allocation of that 2.5 million dollars uh, for the for the training program and linking it to those mttc network the global mttc network so all all of that uh, development mm-hmm. and, it, and one of the things there i read is is to raise the idea of recognizing where you need technology transfer, recognising where you need competence building up and mm-hmm. where you want to actually have the sort of the capacity or capacity building. Now, I realise that these are all phrases that appear quite frequently in the, uh, if you're doing development economics, these are phrases yeah. that everybody in development economics probably understands very well, but not probably not so much in the commercial world of shipping because mm-hmm. technology transfer, of course, sounds very much like, um you're letting somebody else use a technology and their ip rights question mm-hmm. will always pop up then and when you're talking about capacity building it's not about building up factories that you can build things it's no. it, it's more about building up the uh, the framework within a government to actually have the policies yeah. to support decarbonization mm-hmm. but this all comes back down to the the issue of how you balance between the 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 development needs in development economics and mm-hmm. the 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 goals the commercial goals of shipping and now I know you mentioned the maritime innovation forum which mm-hmm, will act mm-hmm. as a sort of conduit for some yep. of this I imagine yes. but again and it, it it comes down to it when i look at all of the uh, the commercial activities that are in their embryonic stages and are needing support and you're looking at these very sort of macroeconomic objectives within the development um with developing countries in particular Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. when you consider how shipping is a particularly global industry with Mm -hmm. large companies that are focused in specific countries so Mm -hmm. if you look at the liner industry you know we know where we where they're based we know where the power is is based there i guess what i'm asking is how do you see what you're trying to achieve um, with the training with the maritime innovation forum Um, And with the FinSmart Roundtable, how do you see all of that, these key objectives of your department sitting alongside the very commercial, competitive, and sometimes not always complementary shipping Mm -hmm. industry, which, Mm -hmm. well, if it can, will be extremely competitive about what it offers its competitors?
2: Yeah, I think it all boils down to the one single word um, uh, is partnerships. Now, um, you will have competing entities, you will have competing commercial interests, you will have um, among the developing countries differences um, and the focus given on maritime, um, you will have the unique challenges of the Least developed countries and and uh, the SIDS, the small island development states. So if you if you kind of have that mosaic of those those different things um, there, um, what would work um, and what, that's why the department is going to be extremely important is you, you find where the common interests are and then you start building the blocks of partnerships um, across these interests and across these entities. Now. IMO being a UN body, um, I mean, you know, traditionally the the role is building regulations and then helping implementing the regulations. Um, Now, an important aspect of this, and there are some puzzles still missing, um, is is, is what we would like to focus on. Uh, Okay, Uh, we have been doing uh, capacity building on typical training on regulatory work, you know, for many years. Um, but we have not been, um, you know, doing this at scale that is needed when it comes to some of the very complex matters such as the GHG emissions, um, or even the biosecurity matters, etc. So, so, so we need to we need to start building capacity not just to domesticate an, an IMO conventions, uh, you know, into a national law, um, but we we need to go beyond that because many of this, um regulations would require um, you know, not just a port-second law inspection or flux inspection, it requires technological solutions. So the, the level of capacity building that we need um is quite at a different level compared to the traditional way we, we train a few staff in an administration to convert a, a, a convention to domestic law. So so the department is trying to see, okay, how do we how do we take this a much bigger scale and start building the required capacities uh, in all these areas you know understanding technologies um you know how do you uh, you know how do you even start an investment project proposal uh, how do you how do you bring a bank to your country you know what is a bankable project how do you do a demonstration project you know in a technology particular area and all these things are to me is capacity building in addition to the training that I just mentioned before. So the department is, you know, kind of focusing on those kinds of levels of capacity building. Second, is um none of our capacity building or the typical training in the past involved um technology demonstrations. Um, per se. We we never engage into those kinds of things. So here we are. You know, encouraging the countries and bringing the donors together. Okay, here is some money. Um, you know, let's start. Uh, you know, demonstrating some of the solutions in your ports or in the shipping. Um, uh, we we still we, uh, it's an ambitious goal in in looking into all kinds of technology demonstration because these are not cheap, even the demonstration side of it. So that's why we want the banks with us. We want the investment community with us. So the donors will bring some seed funding. Uh, probably up to a level that we can have a bankable proposal, for example, for a for a facility. But then, in order to procure the hardware, in order to do the investment needed, we need the banks with us. So that's why the FinSmart is now coming in, and that's where the department is also going to focus on. You know, so you can see the complementarity of these ideas now. So, uh, as I said, capacity building in a much bigger way. It includes related technology and demonstration. And then we, we bring the investment community with us um, around. Now, why the Republic of Korea Funded Project is um, so important for us um, is uh, because of the very unique situation where the small island development states are and also the, the least developed countries are. Um, shipping is so, in, especially the SIDS, the small island development states, you know, shipping is so so much important for them. They completely rely on shipping um, for their day-to-day survival. And, and these are countries tens of thousands of kilometers away, you know, in, for example, in the Pacific. Um, so, you know, doing anything with shipping, um, you know, has a big impact on the economy as well. So uh, we got to get that balance right. So, um, you know, it is um and, and what the Republic of Korea project is going to do is um to provide um you know specific training to the to the countries, to the representatives on of course on the GHG, IMO GHG strategy and what it means, what are the national action plans that should that could develop in the, the specific context of the develop you know, the seats, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But in addition to that, actually, okay, you know, what, you know, how do you even go about doing an impact assessment of some of these measures that has to be in place? So if a if sits, have to, you know, to undertake some of those measures. Um, obviously, there's a big discussion in IMO right now at the global level on, uh, on on impact assessment, et cetera. But it is very important that the countries are engaged, um, you know, in order to do this kind of impact assessment, before they actually come up with their national action plan or a strategy, they need to know what this means for us. So this particular training, I wouldn't say you know it, it is it is going to achieve everything that we are hoping for, but at least a beginning of a journey where we start tra- start training the the seats and the LDCs on implementation of the GHG strategy. Now, uh, so 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 department in this sense okay, capacity building, bringing the banks for investment. You know, tra- meeting the specific needs of the SIDS and the LDCs in terms of training, uh, and and the and the other dimension from the department, uh, and this is where the matter innovation forum is coming, and that is not just for meant for any particular developing country or SIDS, but this is basically IMO, you know, uh, seeing innovation as an important aspect of of this puzzle, uh, and seeing okay, how do we bring a dialogue. Uh, among the community who are into innovation and bring that together. It is gonna help everybody, not just the developing countries, I think everybody, all the member states will benefit from the innovation forum. Now, once we get those those sprouts coming of this innovation and, 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 and I'm sure it will now lead to some of the developing countries may have an idea, okay, hey, maybe that technology, that innovation might suit us maybe. Um, you know, so, so we can then start moving in the direction and saying, okay, how some of those most appropriate technology solutions, then how we can connect that to the developing country needs and then take it from there. So, um, so, 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 um, bringing back from a department, uh, question that you asked, um, yeah, it, it has a tall order of developing all kinds of partnership in all kinds of areas, not just the, the greenhouse gas emissions, but you know, everything that I am most working on and the department is no more a part of the Marine Environment Division. It is now part of the whole organization supporting all the divisions. And that's why we are engaging into the, you know, safety related work, maritime security, uh, maritime single window, um, and and of course, uh, GHG and uh, biosecurity and all these things will become top of the agenda as well. Um, but yeah. So so um, so we are now multi We have multiple, dim- you know, disciplines to deal with. Um, but at the same time, the department is, um, in a way, um, you know, uh, is made responsible to, to to think in these new directions, um, innovation. You know, a new level of capacity building, uh, technologies demonstrations it's all new for us but and that's what the department is you know and the team is very excited to move into.
1: Does there need to be a rethink within the IMO on its own remit then are you stepping beyond the remit of what the IMO was called upon to be with the UN's IMO convention?
2: No, uh, I think I have have a very clear answer to it. Um, IMO is the UN regulatory body for shipping, but it is also mandated for IMO to ensure that, you know, the member states have the capacity to implement and have the solutions to meet with these requirements. So what we are trying to do with this uh, department is actually, you know, on that implementation side of it. Um, So it is very much within the... The, the the mandate of IMO um, you know how do we help the countries to take the voyage together and the department to a certain extent has I would say 80-90 percent of the focus still on technical cooperation and uh, technical assistance part of it yeah so this is this is still going to be the core of the department augmenting our technical cooperation work led by the technical cooperation division of IMO where the department is actually trying to focus on large-scale projects, long-term projects, thematic projects, um, where we can augment the technical cooperation work of IMO. So that has always been the mandate of IMO. The the new things that we are doing is to because we know the capacity building as we do right now in the past is not probably enough for the countries to you know to implement the IMO conventions um, and. And and we figured out there's a big gap there, and that's what we are also trying to help. And that could be through technology demonstration, as I said. That could be through encouraging innovation and seeing some of these innovative solutions how it can help some of the developing countries to you know to implement the IMO Convention. So uh, I'm I'm very uh, certain that this is very much within IMO's remits, and 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 see how IMO can do things better.
1: Jose Mateichal, Head of the IMO's Partnerships and Projects Department, talking to me about the efforts being made already to widen the ability to decarbonise the shipping industry, including the important part about financing it all. In a minute, we hear from Nick Chubb from TTS for an update on technology developments around shipping, but before that, this.
2: Wonderful Copenhagen. As the world-renowned funfair Tivoli boasts, always as never before. With just 30 minutes across the Øresund Bridge to Malmö and a morning train distance to Hamburg, Copenhagen is always close. Close to its Nordic sisters and brothers and close to the European continent. We are Connor and Sophia of Furstenberg Maritime Advisory. And we find that the Danish shipping cluster is the most forward-looking and pioneering maritime environment we know. You can read about our views on the Blue Denmark here at the Fathom World's
0: website.
1: Okay, so now let's have our regular update from Nick Chubb, Thetius, who recently ran a startup campaign within Marsat and my old seagoing employer Shell to accelerate a startup that has a promising solution for ship's crews. And I'll have more about that in a week or two. But before
0: that, let's hear from Nick about the latest technology news. Thanks, Craig. Our friends over at Rainmaking have launched a new maritime innovation advisory network for startups in the Southeast Asia region called the Ocean Ventures Alliance. The network is made up of over 30 industry leaders, including representatives of many corporate partners of Rainmaking's trade and transport impact program. It's their first step in building a collaborative venture vehicle that will offer strategic support to selected startups that are transforming the ocean sector. In other news, METIS Cyber Technology have launched a new Charter Party Agreement Monitoring Module. It's designed to help ship operators and chartering teams to meet the requirements for Charter Party reporting. Once the Charter Party terms are imported to the module, the system automatically tracks the vessel concern and identifies deviations to speed or consumption terms that have been set out in the agreement. GreenSteam and i4Insight have announced a new partnership to integrate machine learning capability into i4Insight's fuel consumption optimization platform. Since launching in 2018, the Lloyds Register subsidiary has developed a range of different software tools for ship operators and charterers. The Yara Birkeland has been given a new launch date after development was paused earlier this year due to complexities of getting the land-based monitoring set up in the midst of the global pandemic. The ship is now expected to launch late in 2021. And lastly, the UK Hydrographic Office has launched a new innovation challenge focused on transforming marine insurance. They're looking for participants to identify, trial and prove how marine geospatial data can be used to enhance marine insurance products. There is £75,000 worth of prizes up for grabs for the best best solution, uh, and you can learn more on the UKHO's website that's Nick Chubb from Thetius. Well, that's it
1: for this episode of the Aaron X Podcast. Come back for more in a week or two, or just subscribe on Acast or Apple Podcast to get any notifications. You can also find it on the Fathom World News website, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter updates. That's it for now. Goodbye.